The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Mitchell, along with Peyton Jones. Pete Jones, the host for all serious church planners. Sit back and relax. Let Peyton and Pete soothe you as you move towards your cosmic journey towards planning the church that you were born to plan. I got a little dramatic for his and remember, the love lines will be open for the next half hour. <laughs> oh, why'd you have to go there? <laughs> what do you mean, why did I have to go there? Why didn't I start there? It, it was kind of like, you know, uh, like those hip, 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 hypnotic tapes. Was it hypnosis? You are a calm, confident, capable church planner. <laughs> Play this podcast over and over while you sleep. I love you, man. So, uh, welcome, Church Planner. And if this is your first time here, uh, well, good for you. We're, we're sorry. We're we're not. You're not winning any awards for showing up for a podcast. Uh, you know, just just finish off your drive to work and in peace. But uh, you know what's cool about that, Pete, is that most church planners are used to abuse, so they're used to this kind of. You know, uh, I think I would like that kind of disrespect. You like know what I'd love braces. is when I'm talking to pastors. And uh, they're like, like the very first thing they want to say to me, well, I'm not a church planner, but I am bivocational or I was full time, but now I'm bivocational. Like, like they understand that being a church planner is like massive amount of work. And they're like, look, I'm not a church planner. Like I, I got to come in to something that was already established. Like they know right away that being a church planner is a lot more work than what they're doing. You're right. Well, you know, that's the thing, man. Like, uh, no doubt. Like, it's tiring. I mean, there's times my wife and I look at each other and say, man, let's just, let's just ease into something that's already there and rebuild it, you know, revitalization. And, and to be honest, that is a legit form of church planning. For those of you that are like, oh, no, you know, like that's selling out or whatever. No, man. Um, revitalization is is there are dynamics that are similar, but yeah, man. When you when you have all that stuff, you got your five hundred one c three, you got a bank account, you got insurance, you got. I mean, there's a lot of work behind the scenes to set up. A lot. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, uh, what happened for you this last week? You know, this week I am getting ready for my um, daughter's Dumbo party. Oh, nice. So, yeah, man. So I am landscaping like crazy. Funny enough, um, so, you know, I get these things where, like, it, it's good I'm married because God has to kind of teach me things sometimes through my wife. So, like, this week um, I, I, I pull up my car to the house. I'm off. I'm landscaping. I'm doing all this stuff. Put a white picket fence up, put lights on it. It's pretty cool. Uh, post lights, 
You ever seen those? No. They make your posts light up. It's pretty cool. I don't and know they're solar. And uh, so anyways, um, I'm, I'm pretty taken with my fence, obviously. But I, I pull up in front of my house and this, you know, I don't know who it is. It's, it's someone who walks up and down my street. And they, I think they think they're trying to be nice. So when their dog takes a dump, they stick it in a bag. But they don't want to walk around with the bag. So they stick it in front of my house. Sometimes they stick it on the porch going into my yard because I got they a do gate. what? Yeah. They stick the bag like out in front of my house. Okay. No, they this st- is not someone who's doing something because they think they're nice. No, no. I, I think in the in their twisted mind, they think I'm I'm being responsible. Look, I bagged it up for you and I, I, I stuck it here for you to throw away because who wants to walk around with a, a bag of crap? So, so yes, you're right. Normal people would look at that and be like, what's wrong with you? So anyways, I, I pull up, I, I, I see the crap bag, I throw it away. I turn around. There's a second one. Now in fairness, this other one had been there for a couple of days and I just happened to like, I was getting something out of my trunk, it, but it, it was over on the walking path because my, my house is right on a train track and people walk from the train track down the street. So I pick that up, I throw it away, I turn around, I see a new one on my driveway. So I'm like, that's it, right? I got my tools out, I got everything. So I go grab a black Sharpie, I grab a piece of paper, I write, do not leave your crap bags out in front of my house. And then I wrote underneath it, if I catch you, you're going to eat it. (laughs) (laughs) And I stick the note out, I stick the crap bag. That's that's the spirit of Jesus coming through. Well, so my wife, you know, she comes home. She goes, I saw your note. And I'm like, yeah, it's funny, huh? But I was angry when I wrote it. She goes, are you really going to make someone eat it? And I said, no. Because, you know, you can imagine like me getting someone in a headlock. What if it's like an old man or an old lady, right? Like, and then I'm like, eat it, you know, kind of like uh, Butch or, um, you know, uh, who, who's the big brother on Weird Science? Chet. Right. You know, like getting them in a headlock and making them eat it. Um, I told her, no, I'm probably not going to do that. So I go out yesterday and, and the bottom half of the note is ripped off. And I asked my wife, did you take that off? She goes, yeah, I, I figured you, that probably wasn't a good thing to have on there. That's hilarious. So, but I, I did think it might be better if I said, if I catch you, you're going to either carry it or you, away with you or you'll be wearing it. Because I would throw it at somebody. I would totally open the bag and throw it at somebody. Dude. If they refuse to pick it up. That's, that's just, assault though, huh? There's a lot of things that are assault, actually. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm discovering. Uh yeah, that's uh that's assault. It's at least not assault with a deadly weapon. It's assault with a <laughs> poopy with weapon. Gross, assault with a gross weapon. But you know, it's it's funny because I would love to catch a guy. You, you know and, what? And, side side story. Uh, someone put a, a, a great uh, meme on Facebook and they're like, it's a $325 fine if your dog poops in San Francisco and you don't pick it up, but it's free if you poop in San Francisco and don't pick <laughs> it up. As a human. Yeah, because there's like, like, I don't know if you've seen it, but San Francisco is like littered with human feces all over the city. Like oh it's it's one of the nastiest things you can imagine. But yeah, so. Anyway, just thought I'd share that with you. That's funny, dude. So don't let your dog do it. You can do it, but not your dog. 
Well, that's good to know. You know, I, I, I do live on the train tracks. There is a high possibility that a vagrant would come and do that in front of my house. Bad, bad church planning story. But um, I remember picking up a friend of mine who was living in a, in a building on Pine. It was an off. I don't know if you remember that building off Pine in downtown Long Beach where people were squatting in uh, an office building. Do you, do you know the building I'm talking about right there on the corner of that high rise off Pine and 2nd Avenue? Nope. Well, I went to go pick a guy up and, you know, he was struggling. He had drug issues and what have you. And, you know, another success story with refuge. He, uh, he came, he got clean and, um, he's happily married and clean off drugs and going to church and following God. So a success story, but it did come with a price tag. Um, I went to go pick him up and I did not realize my car. I, I parked, I ran over when I parked out in front of this place because, Obviously, a lot of homeless people lived in it. Um, I ran over human stuff. Nice. And, you know, I've been a nurse for a long time. I, I, sorry, guys, this is gross, but uh, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast, um, where we talk smack for a few minutes. But I'm an RN, and I am a, a connoisseur and expert, if you will, on being able to uh, – examine feces. I was trained to do so. Uh, I can smell it, look at it, touch it and know what's in it. Wow. Um, I can pretty much tell you what disease based on the smell. I I swear I I, like, it's one of the things you're trained to do because you're, you're handling that. And, uh, you, you can tell oh this person, you know, needs more of this or this person, you, you learn what diseases are associated. And it was obvious it was a hepatitis and, it stank. My car stank. It okay, stank in my car. dude, seriously, why are why I, why are I we going down this path? Because this is a church planning. No, it is. It is an injury. It is. It is combat. We are it dealing is. with church planners who are in the middle of Orange County <laughs> in like Huntington Beach, not in Long Beach. It's a and, world of difference. And I had to go to the the car wash like immediately and like did uh it yeah it. It was on my tires, which meant it was all over my car. It was bad. It was bad. I am so literally, I, I am literally I sick to my stomach. Like seriously, I knock it off. I'm I sorry I went down this path. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I our church plan. I'm sorry. Don't you understand? Stop. No, but Stop. I'm just issuing a challenge. Stop. Top the story, church planner. Top Stop. it. Stop. <laughs> so. Now that the trauma is done, it, it uh, was so, traumatic for me. Uh, you have seen Avengers this weekend? No, have you? No, I said, are you? It's Thursday. Well, it, it comes out today. I would have thought you'd be there. Like, oh, no, I'm going to see it tonight. It doesn't come out until tonight. growing 24-hour showings and double the popcorn, batten down the hatches. 24-hour showings in some theaters. Yeah, I'm going to the 6 o'clock showing. Tonight? Tonight, yeah, I got a front nice. row seat because that was all that was left. <laughs> it was a front row, really? Yeah, I'm gonna be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else? You, you know, I, I'm excited about that, but the the problem is, I did not see Captain Marvel, and I really wanted to. And uh, I understand she's kind of a key to the whole thing, so I I feel kind of stupid if I go to see this and haven't seen Captain Marvel. Is that still in the theaters? Yeah, that would just came out last month so yeah yeah so i'd love to see a double header like go see captain marvel immediately followed by infinity war i'd be right that would be five hours worth of movies and 
I think that would be a bit much. Hey, man, I can do it, especially because they give you like you you buy that giant popcorn and they let you refill it. And I'm I'm telling you, dude, I can down an entire bucket of popcorn by myself. And if I'm pushing it, I could eat eat about half of the second. That's one of my favorite foods is popcorn. Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I'm like good with a small. <laughs> I'm like, that's plenty of popcorn. Yeah, we went to the movies. We went and saw Blade Runner. Remember that? And uh, one of the worst movies ever. Yes. Oh, you didn't like it? No. I wait, wait. Here, Blade let me reenact Blade Runner for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 soundtrack was uh, imaginative. Oh my gosh, that was just such a stupid movie. Like I've tried to rewatch it when it comes on uh, TV, and I'm like, I can't do this. I mean, I get like really? through five minutes of it. And I'm like, this is just horrid. I actually liked it. Of I don't know why. You, did. you and I are night and day when it comes to movies. Like, I literally don't know how we became friends. Like, the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't know how this happened. How did it happen? Where it's did Jesus. it come from? It was a miracle. It, it was Jesus. Considering it really was Jesus. how much I like cuddling my friends and how little you like cuddling uh, your friends. No bueno. No bueno. <laughs> I mean, all I want every once in a while, P, is just a little cuddle. Dude, this guy. This guy, I don't, I don't remember if he was a, a my Spanish teacher or not. I had many Spanish teachers in college, but he taught Spanish at my college, and we're Facebook friends. And I haven't talked to him in probably you know twenty years. And all of a sudden, he comes on <laughs> my Facebook page, and he's like, "I still have a Spanish test for you." <laughs> That's <laughs> like, funny. He just drops that one in there, and I'm like, uh, "No bueno, no bueno." No bueno. Yeah. Oh, man. I tell you. I tell you. Well, dude, should we hop into today's topic? Oh, so we're we're doing the abbreviated smack talk. Well, that'll make... Well, uh, I, look, I mean... Hey, well, before, we get in, before we get into smack talk, w- be honest. What'd you think of the picture I stuck up on Facebook of all of our reviews? Oh, my gosh, dude. That was so – I was laughing my head off the next day telling Andrew about it. Oh, my gosh, dude. Was that not classic? It was great. All the, like, on, so, so for everyone who didn't see it, iTunes puts out this uh, page that apparently you can click on it. It shows all your reviews and what people have written up. And so they're all five-star reviews except for three. And two of them were two stars. And so I circled them. I'm like – Failed church planner, and then another guy never launched, and then one guy gave us four stars. He's like, best podcast ever. And I'm like, well, then why'd you give us four stars, you jerk? And I like circle him. I'm like, meant to tap five stars. So That's funny. So he accidentally tapped four? No, he didn't accidentally. He's probably one of those guys who's like, well, no one's five, which means you know they give him a four because that's really his five. Dude, but the I, failed church planner comment alone was killing me. And and the fact you're like, refer to this week's podcast for explanation. <laughs> <laughs> Where if you missed it last week, uh, Pete and I, it's kind of a tradition. When a new Star Wars trailer or movie comes out, we will take a break from talking about church planning, as all church planners should, and talk about the Star Wars trailer. Which, you know, I kind of think, Pete, for Marvel – uh, it's almost worth if we go see this movie this week that we come back and talk about that. What do you mean? If? I almost think I already have it's tickets. Our podcast. We, huh? I already have tickets. What do you mean? If I'm, I'm, I'm the unknown variable factor. Drive up here. Come watch it with me. 
that's possible. There, there it is go. possible. There you go. Would you see it a couple times? I'm going to have to see it with Luke, so I know I'm going to see it twice. <laughs> so you've seen it on your own tonight or with Luke? On my own tonight. Oh, interesting. How come you wouldn't just take Luke with you? Um, one, because it's at 6 o'clock. It's a three-hour movie. That puts him well past his bedtime, so I don't even know if he'd make it. What time is his bedtime? Uh, about 8.30. Oh, it's not bad. No, it's not bad, but also means I don't want to deal with him after his bedtime because <laughs> there's, you know, dealing with them yeah. issues. No, no, I, I, I got you. And got you. Uh, plus he's got ice skating or you know, hockey, whatever his sister's got ice skating. Oh, dude, is he into hockey? Are you serious? Dude, no. That's are a you? sport. Oh, that's dude, rad, dude. are you kidding dude. me with Jamie? Oh, well, yeah. I was, it makes sense, but I, I never I never made the connection that, yeah. She's an ice skating instructor. Do you, do you want to know how bad it is for me? Like, she knows I hate going to those games. I'm like, oh, dude, this is like miserable for me. Why do I have to sit here? Okay. Other than rugby, though, ice hockey is the coolest sport to watch. Not when they're seven. <laughs> okay. So my daughter plays field hockey or lacrosse, right? Dude, which I guess is not field hockey. It's lacrosse, right? Don't they have like hockey sticks in field hockey? How would I know? She's, she's lacrosse. It's like these uh, little baskets on sticks that they catch a ball with. It's a cool sport, dude. I'm, I go to these games. I, I, I love going to these games. I mean, every parent's like in rapt attention. And I, I, are, are the other parents into the game? Are you just a bad parent? Oh, dude, I'm totally a bad parent. Like, I, I don't even think that's a question for our listeners. <laughs> Like, because I'm telling you, when when I go into the zone when I go to Liberty's game, it's like I'm all about that game. I'm like, you know, I know all the kids' names. It's like, get it, Piper, go for that. You know, come on. Blah, blah. Although I'm not the parent that yells. Like, I still think that's lame. You know, come on, way to go, way to hustle. I'm not going to do that. But I really enjoy the game. Did you ever see Goodwill Hunting? Yeah. You remember when they'd go watch the baseball game? It's all the little peewee players, and they're drinking <laughs> no. their beers in the stands. Oh, yeah, and they're talking about the kids. Oh, this kid's got an arm, and uh, wait till next year. That kid was really – I mean, that's like – that's their entertainment. No, no, I don't. What, are they Are they being sarcastic? No. They're legit. Wow. Yeah. No, you don't I don't remember, remember that? Oh, that was such I a I have to go movie. watch that movie again. Yeah, that was a good one. I do know that the entire scene where um, uh, Robin Williams is is talking about his wife and her flatulence, I do know that was ad-libbed. But, of course, it was Robin Williams. Like 90% of what that dude did in films was ad-libbed. Yeah, I remember in Good, Will, or, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, they like wrote into the, um, the script Robin Williams ad-lib. Robin Williams ad-lib. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dude, yeah. he, he – Absolutely does that with any film he's in. He did it with Aladdin when he played the genie. He did it with Good Morning Vietnam. And the other one is uh, uh, you watch um, uh, Dead Poets Society. They've literally interviewed the Ethan Hawke. I, I watched an interview with Ethan Hawke, and he was saying every time we did a take, it was completely different what he would say. You know, uh, almost every scene. He I just can't make wait it up to see his next spot. movie. <laughs> Too soon? That guy was an absolute too soon? genius. Too soon? <laughs> too soon. Too soon. He's much too loved. <laughs> oh, we're not allowed to. We're not allowed to make make jokes you know, like that. He he was actually a believer, and um, 
uh, towards the end of his life. And um, I, that actually really affected me just because, you know, when when someone's able to make people laugh and Robin Williams, you know, he had some foul stuff. But by and large, that guy was so talented. He could just make you laugh without. So, I mean, almost all of his movies were clean. And, you know, that, by and large, like it wasn't like Andrew Dice Clay or Eddie Murphy. I, but that, that dude had serious talent. When you're able to make people laugh like that, that's a God-given thing. I was watching uh, a clip on Facebook this morning of, I think it was like America's Got Talent. And I don't know if you've seen it. Because I, I don't really watch those type of shows. Pretty much all the reality shows I don't watch. And this kid has a stuttering problem like he used to play baseball and a grounder took a bad hop and um, hit him he got a concussion he went to sleep on it and now he's got a, a really bad stutter like not not a minor one I mean it's pretty bad and so he's a comedian <laughs> so he's like he's making fun of himself and he was absolutely hysterical like listening to him and uh so uh, Howard Stern, he's like, uh, do you have a girlfriend? And the guy's like, yeah, I have a girlfriend. You know, she works uh, three jobs so that way I can pursue my my uh, uh, comedy. And so he's like, you got to marry that girl. And he goes, yeah, that's what she tells me. <laughs> it's just like, Aww. but he's just like comedy. Like he's just one joke after the other. And he's like, I, 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 I really, I, I really, I, I really think they should. They should use use my my voice for GPS and like he's, then he gives like an example. He's like, and a thousand and and, and a thousand 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 that uh, uh, U turn U turn. <laughs> like it was that's funny. It was and he's like laughing at himself because he knows how funny it is. And so the judges are like, um, I think what I enjoyed most is how much you're laughing at your own jokes. And he's like, well, I wrote them. <laughs> so that's I mean, it was funny. Just, Dude, the kid was just hilarious. It was so funny watching him. I, That's I funny, enjoyed him. But what was That's really funny. touching is they did one of those like uh, you know, behind the scenes, right, where they interview him before he goes on stage and does his thing. And he's like, "Yeah, when I used to play basketball, he goes, that kid would not have hung out with the guy I am today." And That's like, funny. He goes, "I was such a jerk." And so, like his his like transformation in his own life from going from being this jock who was a jerk to, man, you know, I I, I need to change my ways. I thought I thought that was almost more interesting to his story than anything interesting. else. Interesting, yeah, interesting. But wow, anyway, that's cool, dude. That's cool. You know, there's so many cool things out there. Like I've been uh, I've been listening to to some new podcasts. Um, Thou shalt have no other podcast before thine. <laughs> What's really funny about that is I'm actually doing through the word Deuteronomy right now. So, uh, you know, for Chris Langham, those of you that know, he he's, uh, took the helm of Refuge Long Beach for the team there and uh, team leader. And he's got a ministry called Through the Word, which is eight minute to nine minute chapter summaries of each and every chapter of the Bible. And so um, I'll be taking a lion's share of the Old Testament because they've all covered almost all the new Testament and parts of the old, but I was like, dude, give me the old. I love the old Testament. Like I'll, I'll, I'll eat that up. So, um, some of you guys, old time listeners will remember the Leviticus, uh, podcast, um, or the Leviticus through the word. 
that we did because um, we used to talk about it. But Deuteronomy, dude, I am absolutely loving that. And that's a big deal, dude, that whole no other gods idolatry. Is a, oh, yeah. A kind of a, a that is the major one that God keeps coming back to going, look, I can almost handle it. It's kind of like when you're married and, you know, your, your spouse, I can handle all of your quirks and all your weird things and all the ways you let me down, but do not cheat on me. You know, it, it's very much like a marriage mm. when you're um, when when you're reading through it. It's amazing. So, speaking of other podcasts that we should not have before Pete, um, uh, I am. It, it, it's I'm just priming the pump here. I have another podcast in the works. I'm about five episodes in recording. It is called Ministry Ninja. I'm just wetting your whistle. Uh, don't don't blow yet. Don't don't carry the tune yet because it's not on. <laughs> it's not on iTunes yet, um, but it will be up there in about a week or so, and I will let you know when it's up. After that, um, the Through the Word podcast will be— And I would just like to point out that all of those uh, fuddy-duddies who are like, you guys aren't serious on this podcast like you are on Hardcore. You finally get to have a full half hour of Peyton Jones again without Pete. So go over there and listen to that podcast. Well, well, no. I mean, it's the same. Like, we screw around on there, too. Like, of course. Oh, who's your host? You have another host before me. <laughs> well, I have my wife. And then oh, it's the two of you? I have, I have Barry. Oh, well, we know it's not going to last. Then. <laughs> but the British accent, you know, the British accent. Dude, it's so funny. Jamie. Uh, no, he's really good on there. I'm, I'm, I'm only teasing. We, we pick on Barry nonstop, but he's actually really good on it. Jamie. Uh, Jamie knows <laughs> that we'll be watching TV and I'll be like, ah, I can't stand that accent. She's like, what accents do you not like? I go pretty much all of them. Anybody who's got an accent, I can't stand it. Like, just be Barry. quiet. Barry, actually, I don't think he's got a. A thick accent by any means, like I, he doesn't. He doesn't have an accent to me. Well, and it, what's funny about Barry is his accent. Those of you that don't know, he uh, got saved at the church plant um, pillar and uh, was a part of another church in plant Wales. Rest Bay, yeah, he was part of another church plant, and then he did his own thing in a coffee shop. But uh, prior to that, he came and entered in Long Beach, and um, so he's. And he's now back at Pillar. He's probably going to launch out with Melissa, who's Rubens. I mean, this isn't a whole like incestuous thing. Everybody's connected. But he, uh, you know, you're not supposed is... to use that term when you're talking about marriage. I'm just saying, <laughs> metaphorically incestuous. Okay. Shall I so say? Much better. Much better. Yeah, still, much better. Sounds, just stay away sounds, from that term at all. Fine when you say it like that. Stay away from that term at all when you're when you're talking <laughs> familial relations. I'm just yes, yes, yeah. indeed, indeed. And and so what uh, what what Barry what what's funny about Barry is the more he was in America, the less Welsh he sounded. But he is in the heart of Welsh speaking Wales. So he in his community, everybody speaks Welsh as first language. So right now, if you heard him, that's got to suck for Melissa then. Well, you know, it, dude, when you move to Wales, like. You fall in love with that culture. You want all of it. No, no, it's no, no. I get that, but she doesn't speak Welsh. Well, everybody's bilingual. So, you know, they're very anglicized. And yet, well, I their think language she can is speak very... English, I think, right? Because she doesn't speak yeah. Spanish. No. So I lived, I lived for three years in a collegiate town, oldest, the third oldest university in the UK was in the, the one of the towns I was in. And what I was, that's where I was a firefighter what and I'd be on the fire truck and all these guys would be speaking Welsh 
And, you know, after I was a firefighter three and a half years, I'd say my third year, I was, I was making out most of the conversation. I couldn't speak it fluently, but I could, I could make out a lot of what they said. So I'm just saying that I think it's tough in the sense that, um, anytime you go to another country, it's tough. Like that's where you're going to be living, but then to go to another country and you don't speak the primary language that everyone else around you is speaking, you kind of feel like you can feel alone. I'm not saying she does. Obviously I have no idea, but. Oh dude, you're, you're dead on. I'm just saying that's gotta be rough. It is, but if you knew the family that she's like Barry's family is amazing. I used to work with his dad. Um, with that family, I, I will guarantee you she became an instant daughter. And the Welsh are so welcoming that you, you just never met. I, I tell people that are the Hawaiians of the world. They're hospitable. They it's just you're in, you're 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 accepted, you're you're one of them. So it's it's they're an amazing people. Can't can't speak highly enough of the Welsh. Did you just say they're like the Hawaiians? Yeah, dude. You know how like you go to the Hawaiian Hawaii and they're like they they come out to the plane and meet you with a, a lay and you know they come in their grass skirts Does that and do the hula dance a lot for of you. Pineapple in Wales because that's enough to get me to go visit. <laughs> well, dude, we should get into our topic. Mm. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Okay, so the topic today is what you should do before anything else. And really what we're talking about is the rhythm of prayer. Because, you know, I do a lot of church planner training and we train guys on calling and character and what have you. We don't, you know, when I say we, this is, um, I was working with North American Mission Board and the training was really good. But I, I often find that when I actually come to church plant, what I do on the ground looks very different than a lot of church planner training. So one of the first things that that I've got to do, and this started back when Andrew and I first started planting, I remember we would just go out in a field and we would pray. Mm-hmm. And we'd just be on our walk. We walked a lot. And we would just stop in this field as we're coming back up to our, our, our housing track. And we would you know, we just stop in the field and it would be very natural. It wouldn't be like, you know, our father in heaven, you know, it wasn't like a close your eyes. We just stand there and we'd just be like, at that point, prayer was very uh, casual to me. I actually wasn't doing that hot with God, but it'd be like, Hey God, seems like you're doing this. Boom, boom, boom. And we'd have that time. And out of that came Andrea's, um, you know, for, for me, an infamous statement where she was like, I don't feel safe. We don't have a team around us. And I said, okay, all right, I hear you on that. I think that's that's good. I didn't really know what I was doing on church planning. I'd been part of church planning team in New Zealand and Hungary. And, of course, the church that I developed in was a church plant. Um, the movement I was a part of was a church planning movement. Um, but I didn't, I didn't, really, didn't really know what I was doing. But that, that seemed right. And all of that came out of prayer. And so we started having our core team meetings on Sunday nights. Um, this is, you know, things had launched in, in, in Starbucks and we're meeting with these people and we would just eat a meal. We would throw something down, talk about it. Sometimes um, a few weeks in, we started going through Titus and then we would pray and take communion. And that became, you know, really the thing was praying together with a group of people. 
Um, I, I know a lot of people give lip service to prayer all over Facebook, praying for you, praying, you know, texting, praying for you, bro. And don't know if much praying is actually happening um, when we say that we are. But you've got to establish a rhythm of prayer together because I, uh, like Andrea, I don't feel safe if I'm not praying. And so right now, um, getting ready to, to church plant coming up here. And the very first thing, and this is with uh, Bo and Mary Moffat, who, you know, are another couple that's linked up with us. We've kind of said, you know, we don't know if, you know, like, like after training and I've trained with Bo a million times, I trained Bo. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think sometimes people think they're going to walk in and be like, right, we know exactly what to do. Let's go. And I don't feel that. I said my first rodeo, it's not my second rodeo. Um, I, I feel like, hey, you know, we're we're actually, I mean, I've been in ministry for decades. And at this point, it's it's the same. It's like starting all over from ground zero. And, you know, I've said this before that when every time you tur- plant a church, it's like starting over, just you and the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're doing right now is we're meeting once a week, establishing a rhythm of prayer. And that's, that's the start because whatever else happens, if we're seeking the Lord, then we know we're good. You know, trials are going to hit, um, you know, uh, unforeseen incidents will happen, but as long as we're praying together, we will be ready for the inevitable and we'll start to hear from God. God will start to act. Coincidences will happen. Things will start to pop. And, um, that just kind of happens. And, um, so, so that's the major thing is your rhythms of prayer. Um, how are you praying together? Uh, you know, as, as a church and how do you establish those rhythms for us right now? We're meeting on Wednesdays specifically just to catch up. We throw a topic down, we chat it through and we pray. And that's what that looks like. So, um, when, when it comes down to it, um, it's, it's like Grand Central Station with you. <laughs> it's spring break, man. What can I do? Yeah, that's rad. They're so cute, dude. They're coming in telling dad goodbye before they leave. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's it, man. It's it's that rhythm of prayer. And and I would say do that before you do anything else. Don't Don't start outreach if you're not praying. Don't start a bank account. Don't name your church. You literally... You literally just need to start praying together. And the rest will come out of your conversations. The rest will come um, through divine appointments. Cool. Any, 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 does this trigger anything for you? Does any, any questions come to mind? Or No. <laughs> oh, Pete Mitchell. So... So one one of the things that, you know, has kind of been interesting to me is, and this will kind of frame this a bit and and put it into perspective. Um, One one of the things that Will Mancini did was he put together a, a, a diagram called Church, you know, he's got a book called Church Unique. And he talks about something called your kingdom concept. Now, we've talked about this on the podcast before, the kingdom concept is how your church finds its sweet spot. 
And what that means is, um, you know, he asks the question, what can your church plant do or your church do better than 10,000 other churches? And in other words, it, it answers this question, why this people um, in this place at this time? So why us here? And so uh, the kingdom concept has three circles. Think of like a Venn diagram. And what you do is you you find where these three circles overlap and where they overlap in the middle. If you picture three circles overlapping, there's kind of like a triangle in the middle, an inverted triangle where all three circles overlap. And they see, he says, wherever these three things overlap, that's your sweet spot. That's your mid. That's what you're supposed to do. And it's just not worked that way for me over the years. And so as, especially as I'm coming to plant now, I've, I've been kind of thinking about this because I've been training guys in this and how to train church planners in this. And it's a helpful tool. Don't get me wrong. Like, for example, like the first circle, he says, what are the five things about your city? What are the gaping needs? So you, and he calls that local predicament. So you might say, oh, homelessness, poverty, crime, whatever. It's the gaping wound of your city. Then the second circle would be what he calls your collective potential. Like, what are the resources we have to meet those needs? What are the, you know, maybe money, time, maybe gifts of the Holy Spirit. I throw gifts of the Holy Spirit in there because to me, that's a big part of it. Um, And then the third one is what he calls the apostolic esprit. Dumb word for basically what is your team passion about? What's what's the, the, the team's passion? Um, so you remember in Refuge Long Beach, Pete, where um, we had a bunch of artists, we had uh, art students, we had an art instructor, and we had a professional artist. So it seemed pretty obvious that we were going to go reach the art community, except when I went to the artists and said, hey, on our core team, hey, we want to reach art people. Um, what do you think? And they went, yeah, I mean, we could do that. But I mean, we were kind of thinking the homelessness and poverty were kind of more an issue in Long Beach than the art community. So they didn't have the passion for it. So that would have been a, 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 a you know, a, a miss, you know, swing and a miss. We would have gone and tried to reach the art, but nobody's heart was really into it. So it wouldn't have been our missional sweet spot. And of course we found our missional sweet spot. Um, so that tool I would say is very helpful, but where this comes into this conversation is this is what I found. There's a need. You got your first circle um, and it's the uh, local predicament, you know, the gaping wounds of the city. Then you have your spiritual gifts. So I, I just I literally I don't look at money. I don't look at resources. I don't look. I look at what are the gifts, the spiritual gifts, um, which I, I would say is a more first century approach to it, um, because almost everything that the apostles did you know, at times was done by vocationally and they made their own money and they, you know, whatever. But then the third circle I call divine opportunity. And the reason why is because when I align the needs with gifts, I know what my mission is just through those two circles. If the spiritual gifts of the majority of us are aligned with one of those needs in that first circle, I know what I'm going to do. But, but then as I get on mission, there's something that overrides and trumps everything else. And it's where a giant door of opportunity swings wide open and divine opportunity happens. So let's say, you know, I end up going to, um, you know, the, the, you know, someone in our, um, you know, I, I'm uh, refuge Long Beach case in point, 
um, local predicament, you know, um, you know, we're in Long Beach, we're, we're in a, a neighborhood that's, you know, got a lot of poverty and homelessness and what have you. There's a Starbucks across the street, and I know that my people, uh, I've trained them evangelistically and that we can reach lost people because that the gift set that we have as a, as a church in the DNA is such that if you put us around lost people, they're going to get saved. So um, I, I say to the team as I'm on my way out, um, hey, guys, um, let's do something for Christmas. And they go, cool, what should we do? And I'm like, I don't care what you do. I don't know if you remember this. I'm on my way out. I said, I don't care what you do. Just do something. Because I knew hardwired into it that it, at the at the end of it, no matter if no matter what they did, if they did something, the Holy Spirit would meet them in, in root. Right? Whenever you're doing evangelism, you see this throughout the, the New Testament, where Paul just puts himself on mission and divine opportunities open up. So I, I don't think it's something that in a dark room, me and the team can figure out what our missional sweet spot is based on three circles. I think what happens is you align the spiritual gifts in the room to the needs in the city, you get busy on mission, and God might, you know, completely surprise you where a door shuts, he opens a window. So suddenly your whole team gets diverted, just like Paul on mission, multiple times in the New Testament where something unexpected happened, a riot broke out or whatever, and it became a divine opportunity. Um, he gets handcuffed to the Praetorian Guard in Philippians, and he says, but the gospel's gone throughout the whole Praetorian Guard. How else would Paul have ever gotten the gospel into Caesar's household through the Praetorian Guard? How could he ever done that unless a divine opportunity opened up in the form of his arrest? So once you're on mission, God kind of takes over and opens up these kind of side hustles, as it were, you know? And so uh, with Refuge Longgates, that's exactly what happened with the Christmas story was I, I made one of them, one of our ministers and training planners and training go to Starbucks and talk to them about, hey, what are you guys doing for, you know, are you doing any social conscious thing, any, any charity in the area? Do you want to partner with us? We're going to do this. And um, Starbucks like, yeah, no, we already have our charity. But if you have one, we'll partner with you and we'll do two. Well, no sooner than that happens, um, we get in touch with the and this was a divine opportunity. I mean, this was just someone had a conversation and basically they said, hey, we got a women's children's shelter. And that has resulted in probably 20 to 30 people, 20 to 30 salvations. Um, and, and now it's it, that women and children's shelter spans two churches, Refuge Long Beach and the garden, uh, because they're a block from the garden and they didn't know it, you know? So, uh, now all these women are going to church are going to two separate churches. Um, and it's just, it's created and it's been amazing for the women, children's shelter, which was Christian. Um, but the, not all the ladies there were Christian. Um, it's led to, to mass conversions and again, it was a divine opportunity and it came unexpected. And so this is what I'm saying before you do anything else, be on your face before God, asking him to turn up and do the unexpected. What does it look like when you say be on your face before God? You know, yeah. what does that look like leading up to so, your, is it, are you talking about leading up to your launch? Or are you talking about 
Yeah. So no, like rhythms of prayer that, that start before your launch and continue afterwards. And that's a really good question because what, what would happen is I would meet with, um, any of the elders. I would meet with them. It didn't matter if it was on the phone. So like with Charlie and I, he and I were on the phone almost every day, but we would pray regularly on the phone. Right. Um, when we would come together as couples, we would do that as a leadership meeting. That was usually when you say couples, you don't mean you and Charlie. You mean. <laughs> no, because for me, uh, our wives were elders. And so that that was something that, you know, like if if I'm an elder, my wife's an elder. And I think I think, you know, that's a whole nother um, discussion for people. Some people say, well, because it says and their wives and. Um, people would be like, well, all the apostles are men. And I'd be like, well, they're also all Jewish too. So, uh, you, you, you got to kind of apply it in the, the New Testament because when Paul comes to his fellow workers in Romans 16, there, uh, there's a, that these are Gentiles, they're women. Um, these are, he calls them my fellow workers. So these were women in ministry. So I'm not, you know, I know this isn't that conversation right now, but, um, the one verse in Timothy, um, that people use, you tie that back to Jezebel where she was, you know, uh, a solo leader. Um, so when he says teaching and having authority over a man, as soon as you go team leadership, you, you knock that out, that problem out, but that's a whole nother podcast. But, and we've covered that before, but, but anyways, so just as a, as a bit of a background, cause some people will balk. Well, yes, women, he says the wives also, and they also have, um, or the women also, it says, it doesn't actually say wives. It's, it's assumed that this is a couple in ministry together and they have criteria, not just as an elder's wife, but they are doing the work of elders in particular. I'm not going to like shepherd females and counsel females and disciple females. My wife's doing that. She's doing everything I'm doing. And those of you that have, um, women's ministries, you're just not calling it what it is. You know, what it is, is the women are pastoring women. You're just not giving them the honor of the title of what they're actually doing. They're elders to those women. So, um, so our, our church planner, uh, core team had elders and deacons. And so the deacons, and a lot of people would be like, Oh yeah, women could totally be deacons, <laughs> but it's because they have this like non-biblical mental, um, you know, stop gap where they, I, I think they've misunderstood, you know, based on that one verse of Timothy, which has a very easy explanation. But, but going back to that, um, so we, we would come together as elders and deacons once a month and we would pray. There were also times we'd get together as elders to go out to lunch or whatever and chat and we would talk separate from the deacons. But the, then as well, you've got to get your people praying. So one of the things that, that we would do every service is we would have open time. And that was an interactive time with us as a congregation and God. I know worship is that, but it's singing. We want a time where people could pray. But then more importantly, um, we would also have the rhythm of prayer in our cogs. So every single uh, cog, which is community grace or a small group, we would have rhythms of prayer where you would have a time of prayer. And it would usually go about 15, 20 minutes with communion as well. So you would have, you would show up. If you had food at your cog, you'd eat. If you didn't, you'd kick straight into a uh, a Bible study discussion, then you would set aside time for prayer and communion. And so these were the rhythms of prayer that were constantly going. And when I look back to the conversions that happened, I think it was because our people were praying. We were asking God to do what only he could do. 
And that was to provide those divine opportunities. So that's why I'm saying before you do anything else, right, you, you pray. And what's the biblical uh, mandate? What's the, the example for us in the New Testament? Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem, right, for the promise of the Father. And what were they doing for 10 days? They were praying. They were on their face. They're praying to God in that upper room. They've been told to go. They're chomping at the bit. I have the view that the uh, the apostles were not scared and hiding after they met with the risen Jesus. There's no indication that they're hiding. They're hiding during those couple days before Jesus rose from the dead because they're scared. But after he raises from the dead, they're ready to go. They're they're meeting in the upper room to pray. But Jesus has had to had to, to- tell them, "Hey, don't go yet. You're not ready. You need you need the Holy Spirit. You need power from on high." So uh, he's holding them back right in in the upper room so they're praying and that's the thing before the thing you know before anything else and and that by the way in every great move of god not just localized small moves of god in your church plant but every great move of god has started with a return to prayer a desperation and and you know to to, to dependence on the father um for for him to move and, you know, that that's what I feel right now in my church. You know Here's an interesting question for you. Why do you suppose that is – and i got to be careful how I say this. but No, no, I got you. <clears throat> I've never heard said it was because people started – you know, they were really reading the Bible, right? right. Like I'm not trying to dismiss the importance <sighs> of spending time in God's word. Yeah. But it's the prayer part where it's yeah. like this sort of stuff starts from. Yeah. Why do you suppose that over reading the Bible? Is it because it's our it, communication to God? I mean, what, yeah, yeah. Because when when your prayer is like a, um, you can read the Bible and it can be intellectual and it can. Now I don't think it normally is. I think normally when you get into the Bible, it starts creating an appetite for prayer. You know, you, you start, you start like for me, like just doing this through the word thing, just in all honesty, it has reignited my, um, walk with God in a way I was just telling Andrea, you know, I was just saying to her after being out of pastoral ministry, laboring in the word and doctrine for a few years now, cause that, that's what you're doing. You're, you know, you're prepping sermons, you're, you're constantly in the word. I'm not there anymore. You know, for the last three years, as I'm getting ready, I'll be back in that, but Oh my gosh, I told Andrea this through the word thing has like, I feel like it's just reconnected me with God because this is who I am. This is who I've always been. This is where I, because I'm deeply studying. I'm not just reading a chapter in the morning. I'm not just like, I'm doing a deep dive. And I just feel like, I'm like, oh, hey, God, there, there you are. You know, like I need that kind of intense study to grow. It just, God speaks to me through that. And it's reigniting. My, I, I feel like I'm reacquainted with God in a way I haven't been in a while, and 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 yet, if I just do that and don't pray, prayer is the response of of the soul. Um, it's the it's I would say it's like the breathing, you know, it's the the inhaling um, and exhaling. It's 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 that two way communion. It's your connector. Not that the word's not a connector. It fully is. That's the point I'm making. But when you pray, I think prayer is 
my, my best understanding of prayer is a confession of the soul that it needs God. Because I only pray, I can read the word and not really, not really taking everything before him and saying, God, I need you. And, and I, I really don't think often people pray until they're desperate. Um, we, we know that yeah, in our life. That's true. Sure. Of course. I mean, we know that in our life, right? We, we start praying again when we get desperate about things. And, and I think prayer is that desperation. And the way I always look at it with revival is the church gets to a point or, or individuals get to a point where they're so desperate that they're like, God, I, I, I just can't do this without you. And in the Bible, you see that, you know, people are desperate. Um, Jacob is desperate. Then I, he wrestles with the angel. He's about to meet with Esau, you know, um, on and on. You just see prayer as like a desperation. Um, people pouring out their hearts, confessing, God, I got no hope. Like Daniel's prayer, um, it's a very Hebrew um, understanding of prayer. Like the we, we've lost this, but that idea that there was a covenant uh, we're very individual. When we think about our walk with Jesus, it's like me and Jesus, you know, me and him, you know, it's like boyfriend and girlfriend. It's our love relationship. But, and I'm I'm being a little bit sarcastic here, but to a Hebrew, it there was a covenant. It wasn't you and Yahweh. It was Yahweh and your people. And so when when the nation sinned, you repented on behalf of the nation because God made the covenant with your people, not with you individually. And so when you see Daniel like pouring out, God, we have sinned. He's repented. Here's a guy that's like, he's righteous. There's no one, literally, there's no one on earth like him. Like most righteous man on the face of the earth, the Bible tells us during his time. And yet he's repenting before God because of the broken covenant. And and I think that is part of what happens during revival. That same thing kind of happens where people start meeting together for prayer. And there's this deep conviction of sin and, and repentance on behalf of the entire church. And that's what starts to, to permeate those prayer meetings. And when you start hearing of that, like if you study the history of revival, that's what happens. And God kind of localizes the effect on those individuals. Those are the ones that he's, he's working through. And so um, prayer, prayer is a and, – and I think for, for church planners, we get desperate enough before we plant to where we actually start praying and asking God to do stuff. And, you know, church planning is good for your soul. I mean, it really is. Hmm. So when you're doing all this praying and stuff, um, <laughs> so funny that you know right where I'm going. <laughs> it never, never gets old. <laughs> it's so bad, man. So bad. I don't, I don't have them as sponsors of my new podcast, and I'm gonna miss this. <laughs> so when you're doing all this praying and stuff, who's helping you out with all the compliance and? The bookkeeping and and uh, you know doing your website. Who, who's doing all that for you? Oh, Pete, it's Simplified Church because they're like, hey man, we can't be doing that praying stuff. You know, that's that's not our gig. You pray, we simplify. <laughs> we'll handle the money. We, we should tell Josh, you hey, pray. we got you a new slogan. You do the praying, <laughs> we do the money. No, it's we don't pray, we do the money. 
that's <laughs> but no it, simplify church beat they they handle all of my bookkeeping and you know administrative needs they'll even give me a virtual assistant they'll keep me irs compliant they help me fill out confusing government forms i don't know how to fill out that's autobiographical they'll do math for me pete wait you're not a math pastor no in fact that is their slogan we exist for the non-math pastor yeah man they'll help you out i love it simplifychurch.com head on over there it jinx i was gonna say that let me say it anyway simplifychurch.com head on over there (laughs) well guys this has been peyton jones and pete mitchell giving you the relaxing (laughs) serious church planner podcast for today's listener uh, oh, reminding you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, our actual tagline. Uh, reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I'm not only the heckler president, I'm also a client. My next book is going to be called I Wish I Had Listened to Pete. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.